Fishing from Chico, California. This is the Barbless Fly Fishing Podcast, where we discuss NorCal fly fishing, guiding, fisheries science and management, conservation, and more. No better, fish better. Here's your host, Hogan Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Barbless Podcast. This is Hogan Brown, your host, and uh, it is May 8th, date of recording. Like most things in my life, I'm squeezing this recording in, in between many other things. And, uh, it is mother's day. So happy mother's day to all the mothers out there and, uh, the grandmothers and aunts and anyone who serves as a, a motherly figure in uh, somebody's life or has at some point. I uh, woke up and uh, did the usual <laughs> showering of gifts and the making of breakfast. And now I'm kind of in between the, I think we're going to maybe go out on the river, take a walk, do a hike, do something, and then uh, make a large piece of meat on the Traeger barbecue and uh, shower my wife with uh, meat potatoes, bread, ice cream, all those things. So pretty nice day out. Um, little cloudy and windy, supposed to get some storms coming into the mountains the next couple of days, which is awesome and much needed. We, uh, I don't know where you are, but, uh, if you live anywhere within the purview of cow water, you probably got your notice this, uh, week we were notified that we can basically, well, basically water rationing is going into effect. We can only water our lawn, um, I think two days a week. We cannot water at various times, um, bunch of restrictions going in. And basically in, in Chico, California, if you can't water your yard, <laughs> can't water your yard uh, one to two times a day, then it's going to die. So if you can only water your yard twice a week, um, there'd be a lot of dead yards, which in the end is not the end of the world, but uh, kind of gives context to the, the drought that is here and uh, the summer that will be coming. Other than that, fly fishing news. Um, I have not been fishing much lately, to be honest with you. I uh, went for a good multi-week bender of guiding and uh, being out on the water and then the last couple of weeks just kind of I don't necessarily took a break but uh, May is absolutely insane in if you have children I think or kids in school and such and um, we've just been super busy with kids sports four nights a week lacrosse club soccer activities you name it um, so it's kind of the the busy before the storm i guess i uh start guiding stripers pretty much every day in uh, another week or two so kind of soaking in the uh the lawn chair time watching the kids play and hanging out and being around the house so that here in the next couple of weeks i kind of be gone a lot guiding and such so uh taking advantage of it when i can i also uh I also got a new road bike. So I, uh, I've gone back and forth about buying a road bike for a long time. 
and uh, I've tried to hang on to the fact that I can still run and, you know, burn my red meat and high octane IPA consumption by running. But my dad has had two knee replacements. So both of his knees replaced in the last, say, five to 10 years. And my aunt has just had her first knee replacement. And my other aunt has had both of her hips replaced. So I had to come to grips with the reality that uh, maybe my family or my genetic, I guess, strength of lower extremities, meaning knee joints and hip joints may be working against me and that I needed to find a lower impact program for uh, burning off said red meat and high octane IPAs. So I've gone back and forth about a road bike for a long time and I mountain biked for a long time. And if you really, if you drive anywhere in the back roads of Chico out on the way to the river, like you've probably either developed a love or a hate relationship with road bikers because there's massive amounts of them. And so like, I've always had this kind of like negative view of road bikes in the sense of they're the guys that like when I'm trying to get home from the river are, you know, basically 20 deep running through the road and like refusing to get over. So I I didn't want to be that guy. Like, but at the same time, I also didn't want to like get a Peloton and just pedal on a road to nowhere. Basically that just, I, I think my ADD or my just desire to not be indoors and strapped into a bike that goes nowhere. Um, I couldn't do that. So I've been looking on Craigslist, looking around, like I know what the heck I'm doing and looking for road bikes, even went and rode a few and I have no idea what I'm doing, but I decided to finally pull the trigger. So I went into a main bikes here in Chico and, you know, spent probably way more money than I should on, you know, a bike spandex, which, you know, you, you, it's kind of like jumping into a cold pool. Like you just do it. You know, I, I have not looked at myself in the mirror yet. Um, I just put them on clip into the bike and just ride and pretend no one can see me. But, um, yeah, so there's that, um, shoes, gloves, helmet, all the stuff. So if you see a, uh, an utter buffoon riding around on a road bike in the back roads of say West Chico, uh, be kind, don't shove them off the road. I, uh, I've already fallen once at a stop sign. Nonetheless, just sack of rocks straight over clipped into my bike. Didn't know what I was doing. It was, I think, I don't even know how many people saw, but it, it was definitely more than five. There was a lot of people and I just owned it, just did it, fell over, got back up, kept pedaling. Uh, so that's been a new thing that's taken some time the last couple of weeks, but I'll, I'll be honest. It's, uh, I don't want to say I'm full sail road bike. Like I am now a road biker, but the, the, let's say the fact that I can walk down the stairs in the morning and my body doesn't feel like a, a sack of rocks cracking and banging together after I've run is a pretty cool thing. Um, my lower extremities, my hips and my knees have not felt better in a long time. So it, I think I probably failed to realize or naively realize how much 
running beat up my lower body. So I, I do have to kind of own that, but, uh, yeah. So fishing wise, not a ton of developments, did a bunch of filming, some fly tying videos with our uh, good buddy, Dominic Bruno. So keep a, keep a eye out for those. Uh, Dom's doing some really high quality fly tying videos for loon. And, um, those are going to be kind of trickling out a couple. The first one came out a couple weeks ago, but, uh, those are all up on the loon website. And then also I linked to them on my own website. So if you're looking to tie some flies, HTB fly fishing or loon outdoors, will definitely have a bunch of videos by me. Um, a lot of my new flies through Rio are out. I've been posting some videos up talking about some of the newer patterns and such. Those are all out. So if you see those, please support. Um, that's about it. I'm trying to think new music. I haven't been listening to a ton of new music, a lot of old music, actually, to be honest with you, going back, digging back. And then, uh, played some shows. Royal Oaks had some shows. That was great. Commons cool place in Chico. If you're around Chico, check out the commons. It's kind of one of those like pay to play. I don't pay to play, but like pay to pour beer places, which I've really only been to one and that's the commons in Chico. But they uh, also make pizza, which, I mean, if you can buy massive varieties of beer on demand and eat pizza at the same time, that's a, that's a good combo in my world. So played there, had a great show there. Played with a good friend of mine, Tom Squires. Played some pedal steel for him on a couple of his songs. Just nice to be out and playing music and doing things again. That seems like that was not a thing for a long time. So... Other than that, trout is open. The weather is nice. I think you can pretty much fish everywhere. I can't imagine runoff is an issue really anywhere. So get out and get some trout fishing in while you can because if I can only water my lawn twice a week, there's not a lot of water. So have a good one. Hope you enjoy this one. I talked to a good friend of mine, Nick Torres. Nick is a he's the community manager at lamps and waterworks for the real company but uh just a cool guy really into bass fishing traveling fishing all over the place has a good family good family guy just actually caught him we had a we had this podcast scheduled and i i don't know if he forgot which he very well could have but or he could have just said i'm going fishing because i caught him out on the boat smallmouth fishing and it was actually great reception everything worked out really well but uh there were some points where I'm like, oh, he's catching a fish right now. So enjoy Nick. And uh, thanks for checking out the Barbells podcast. Thanks to our sponsors, Loon Outdoors in Sierra Nevada. And we will catch you next time. Take care. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Barbells podcast. I'm here with a, a good friend of mine and uh, someone I've known for a while now. I was trying to remember when we met and I, I couldn't pin it down. So that usually means it's longer than my... Uh, the memory proceeds. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to welcome Nick Torres to the show. Nick, uh, how you doing, buddy? Good, Hogan. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. So tell <laughs> tell the listeners what you're doing right now. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm sitting out in my boat doing a little bass fishing. Oh, that's so good. And if if you heard, I'm, t- his- I'm taking a break for the podcast. Yeah, totally, totally. And 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 I heard a beverage crack as I was introducing you, which is awesome. Which uh Yeah, yeah. So soda. Yeah, yeah. You know, nice uh nice diet coke. So yep, yep. uh 
why don't you tell everybody what, I guess what qualifies you, not that there's any really stiff qualifications for this <laughs> podcast, but uh, <laughs> what, what what would the back of the baseball card say? Um, well, I work for Waterworks Lampson. I'm the community manager there. I manage our, our pro program, our ambassadors, uh, social media marketing, that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, I, yeah, I guess that's really the only thing. I, I like to fish a lot. I guess you know, that, that probably helps. <laughs> that's lower on the baseball card, but still valid, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So how long have you been with Lampson and Waterworks? Because that's, that's how I met you. Is I remember when my buddy Sherm, John Sherman, took, uh, took over the account out here in California. I started fishing the reels and instantaneously I met you and we hit it off like, you know, peas and carrots on a, you know, three-year-old's plate. So, uh, <laughs> how long have you been there? So I've been there I'm going on eight years now in wow, November. That, that um, is long tenured in the fly fishing industry. It, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, I found a, I found a good spot in my, in the town that I live in and, you know, I haven't let it go. So. That's awesome. And Me and you actually met before that, though, Hogan. Did we? Gonna, yeah, I'm going to refresh your memory. Do it, because it's fucking horrible. <laughs> you and I first met, and it was briefly. It was for like two minutes at IFTD down in, my, or in Orlando. Oh, Jesus. I want to say. And it was like, I think you were at the Costa booth. Okay. And I was there like trying to get a ticket for the party or something afterwards. Oh. And uh, I think chuck's name came up oh yeah yeah, like, yeah oh yeah chuck's like my best buddy like I yeah hang out with chuck all the time and okay. uh, i was like oh yeah cool that that was our brief meeting and then <sighs> i think several years later we uh dude you have a California. you have a way better memory I, I mean i'm <laughs> downright impressed because <laughs> fucking uh, th those trade shows turn into a blur for me for the most part and it's not that i don't care like i i i mean the fly fishing industry is like my family but Whew, I'm sorry that that that's did, a while back. Yeah, that I mean, the, the, you know the things I remember about iCast are like some of the most random things because I haven't been back since the show left, and I remember thinking like being in Orlando, like being like you know this is like an entire town based around the entertainment park or amusement park industry. And I was just like, God, this is awful, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and then I remember the other in thing. July. Yeah. I was just like, why am I here? Why am I in Orlando in July? And then I remember walking up to the convention center and, or really any building with a glass window and it's so humid out. And I'm like the sweaty kid on a cold day, like, the, yeah, I have that problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The the uh, the doors have so much condensation on them, it like you can't even see because it's so cold inside and so hot outside, and there is literally like water pouring down these glass doors. And I'm just like, oh my god, what what did I do? Why did I agree to be here? You know, I remember I, I was staying at the at like that nice hotel right across the street from the convention center. And, yeah, you know, yeah. the hotel's all nice and AC'd out. And 
I would literally walk from my hotel across the street to the convention center and just be soaked by the time I got there. Oh, yeah. Literally crossing. Yeah. No, and it's me too. I'm like, dude, I'm in here. Like, I am in no position to meet anyone that's going to (laughs) make, like, if somebody sees me, they're just going to be like, who is this disgusting pit stained shirt? I looked like, you know. That's exactly what I thought. (laughs) Awesome. So, (laughs) So I made a great first impression. (laughs) <laughs> Who's this guy? He looks like a used car salesman on a lot on a Sunday in like June. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Yeah, I, I mean, iCast was super cool. Like, I think, I mean, going around all the bass gear, and and if the listeners don't understand, I or no, iCast is like the fishing trade show for everything, and the fly fishing trade show was actually part of it for a number of years. And it was in July. I liked that. I really liked that because it, it allowed me to co- kind of go over the conventional side and geek out on a bunch of the oh. stuff that they're doing over there. And Dude, I mean, let's, and, yeah, yeah, let's man. be very clear. That's like all I did, right? Like, right. I mean, I, I need to see another fly reel and fly rod like I need a hole in the head. But, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll listen to a low rance rep talk to me for like three hours like I'm listening to, you know, Sinatra. <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah, go check out the bass tank. And- oh, God. I mean, it was really cool. And I think, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess I serve on the after board, so I should know the back end of some of it. But it was before my tenure on the after board. But it, it it didn't sound like it was a good deal. But at the same time, like, it was really cool to go to. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Give and takes. Like, it was cool kind of getting the spillover from the conventional side people yeah. that might not have you know really known anything about fly fishing coming in there and yeah. checking stuff out but at the same time yeah orlando in july <laughs> yeah orlando in july was not cool it was about the farthest thing from cool but uh yeah didn't i i even remember like the hotels had like enclosed walkways to the convention center a few of them you know so like i think so like you didn't even have to go outside so yeah so you're sitting out on the water in your boat what you're fishing for smallies you said smallies largemouth whatever they, they're both in here just at a lake here kind of close to boise right yeah there. that's funny because i know you and me always jive on the fact that we're big bass fishermen and fans of the the bass no one i mean is is a bass lake in boise idaho a crowded fishery <laughs> it's not too bad. I mean, it depends. This place does get a little crowded from time to time. I mean, they have tournaments out here. And, okay. Um, but there's plenty of bass fisheries within an hour of, of Boise that, and I'm like right now, for example, I'm looking around, I can't see another boat on the lake. That's awesome. Um, but that's kind of, you know, it's a Wednesday evening afternoon. Yeah, um, totally. And this place just opened up like, six days ago so oh wow for boats um so it's still kind of early in the season but yeah it's it's a really seasonal thing for me like springtime is kind of bass time i try to get these fish like pre-spawn and yeah um and i guess in the summer too I, you know it's our trout fisheries have just gotten so overrun yeah oh yeah it's and i have a boat so it's it's kind of nice being able to get away and 
still go fishing now do myself. do the reservoirs out there where you're bass fishing do they because like i just had <laughs> i think I'm, I'm pretty sure i did my last reservoir bass day on saturday because while i was fishing there was jet skis behind me and then like <laughs> I heard, I think, top 40 hip-hop coming out of the fucking ski boats at, like, volumes. <laughs> ski that just, boats, man. Yeah. I'm oh, like, all right, these fuckers boat. are here. We're done. Season's over, <laughs> you oh, know? Oh, man. So yeah. how do you do you, – because, I mean, it, that's a reality of any large reservoir. Like, do you deal with that on those lakes? Is that a thing, or do you <laughs> – So there's a reservoir that I fish in the summertime um, – and I basically have to go out there at like nine o'clock at night with like one hour of daylight left. Okay. Yeah. And I still catch a bunch of those ski boats and you know, I, I'm, I have like a, a 18 foot low roughneck. It's kind of like a, yeah. Jet oh, we know exactly um, what that is in our neck of the woods. And so when those ski boats go by about 15 feet away from me, they, uh, they move this boat up and down pretty good. Oh dude, they'll swamp and a boat like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're, blasting their tunes you can hear them from half a mile away and oh, yeah, dude. They, they suck I, that is an but odd like our reservoirs are nothing like what you guys have down there like you guys i mean you're lucky you got those giant striped bass filled reservoirs that you can actually go yeah you know you, we you don't do have a lot of that float Float yeah. Fly deal, right? like, yeah. Like down under a bobber. Yeah. So like most of our stripers are in the Delta and then the rivers. And so I spend most of my time on the rivers. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Spot, spotted, spotted bass. bass right? Yeah. Spotted, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. yeah. So like most of us wars by us are the big spotted bass. And we do that. We got some on top water Saturday and then some on the float, some on a stripped fly. Like this time of year, man, it's, it's like. It's a gong That's show. Thing. You guys can catch fish on top water year round on there. Huh? Oh yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. 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 That's nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, you gotta, you gotta commit to it and kind of it's windows, but yes, you can, you can catch fish I went on out top with water year in, round. In February, I think it was right before that Pleasanton show. Oh yeah. 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 A couple years ago. And we were getting blown up on, on the surface at, you know, mid February. I was like, damn. I have yeah. to wait until July for this shit. <laughs> oh yeah, no man. So our, you know, February. What's weird in Northern California? You can get February days that feel like April days. You know, I mean, if you hit it right, it's like game on. You know, um, but it always gets cold again. Even this year with the drought and everything, it got cold again. So um, I love that. Yeah, I I just I love that stuff you guys got down there. The striper fisheries like between the sack and the delta yeah i gotta get back down oh yeah no man it is and what's funny is as great as it is a lot of the people that really love it it's a small minority of people that actually live here that really love it and then everyone that comes loves it and then right. like 90 percent of the people that live here know nothing about it so it's just so different than anything we have you know like in the in the rocky mountain west i guess yeah um the Delta, especially, obviously. Like, oh, absolutely. Such a unique environment and fishery. Like the first time I went there and fished with Chuck and I was just like, dude, learn it. Like just a labyrinth of oh, dude. channels. It's, yes. And, yeah. Well, stuff. it's, it's one of those places. What's funny is like, I know guys that like, that's the only place they fish. Like they don't like they're Delta fishermen. They don't fish anywhere else. 
Like, right. and they are completely, they still discover new water. You know what I mean? I really, res- you know, the, the specialists. Yeah. yeah. I, I really respect those guys that just oh, yeah. are devoted to one thing and they do it so well. Yep. I, I can't really bring myself to like, I, that's not how I am. Um, I need variety. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I, I, I get that way at times, but like, I've gone so far down the rabbit hole with like stripers and bass and stuff. It's like, I don't know if I, I, you know, it, it seems so much and there's more. there's always farther to go. I mean, right. Yeah. It seems so much more at this point, And I'm sure it'll change at some point in my life, multidimensional than like trout fishing, you know? Um, but so you do have some great trout fishing close to Boise, which yes, a do. lot of people, you know, my wife, my wife's family's in Boise, so I've spent some time out there. Um, but it's not like the Idaho fishing that people think of, right? Like it's not, you know, Silver Creek and all that type of stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, Silver Creek is one of my trout fisheries that I go to. It's two hours away, so it's okay. not too bad. That's not too bad. Um, no. But, yeah, I mean, when, when most people come to Idaho, they're going to places like the Henry's Fork or the South Fork of the Snake. Yeah. Um, those are kind of the two big ones and that's out east so it's it's a jaunt from yeah that's the other side of the state right i mean that's side of the state yeah yeah. so when when i've been out there it's like the south fork of the boise and like some like lesser known fisheries right yeah yeah so the south fork and the oahe are i would say the two main trout fisheries for for boise and boise river in town yeah um but you know, it's just the growth here has has been pretty uh, significant in the last ten years, especially. Yeah. Um, and so those places. I mean, I used to be able to go to the South Fork or the Oahe on a random weekday, and you know, you'd see a half dozen cars down there, or something maybe. Yeah. And now it's it's pretty hard to find a day where there isn't somebody in almost every pullout. <laughs> yeah i have i have one of the i do have an oahe story and it so i think this was in like 98 or 99 and me and my wife i was we were dating at the time and i think it was like, how'd you guys meet we met in high school man yeah so we're high school sweethearts so, so it, she didn't really grow up in Boise. She no, no. Family up here. Yeah. She has family there and she lived there at various parts of her life, but like not gotcha. born in, well, not born and raised, just strong ties and been there a bunch. Um, gotcha. so we were driving out, I think it was first year of college, second year of college. And we were driving out in her little Ford Escort and we were like two or three hours out of Boise and we pull over next to this, like what looks like a mud ditch running through the desert. Right. Which at the time I didn't know it was the Oahe river, but it is the Oahe <laughs> river. And I mean, shit, this is 22, 24 years. What time ago. of year was it? Like spring. Like, okay. Yeah. You, you know, um, I want to say we were on spring break, you know, and we we're going to go see some of her cousins yeah. and, I, we pulled over, we had like packed sandwiches, spent the night in Bend, I think. And, uh, with Bend or Ashland, one of them, I'm not sure. And we were, 
Gonna eat ben, some... probably. Yeah. Ashland's like eight hours away. From okay, that. so yeah, it was Ben. So we're, we're, we're eating some lunch, and I had all my fishing gear in the car, and so I'm like, hey, I'm just going to throw some flies in here, and I look at it, and I'm like, dude, there's got to be some fucking monster smallmouth in this thing, right? Like, this is like a mud ditch that has like carp and smallmouth in it. And uh, I tied on, I'll never forget, I tied on a JJ Special, which is a fly I absolutely hate, but it was like the only one I had. And dude, I caught like three of the largest brown trout I had ever caught in my entire life, like on back-to-back casts. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this place, man? And like I landed them, I took all these pictures, I'm like, oh my God, I was like totally freaking out. And I went in, there was a fly shop in Boise. And I asked the guys, I'm like, do you ever go fish that river? They're like, nah, we never go fish that river because you got to buy an out-of-state license. And an Oregon license is expensive. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like something. Cool. And then literally, like, I don't know, it seemed like six months earlier or later, I'm working in my fly shop back home. And on the cover of Fly Fisherman magazine is this girl holding this just fucking gargantuan brown trout that says Oahe river. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. oh fucking game over. <laughs> and <laughs> I, and I asked like my wife's cousins before this, they're like, Oh dude, no one went over there because you had to buy an Oregon license. And if you wanted to guide it, you had to buy an Oregon guide license as an out of state license. And no Oregonians would go there because it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's too far from anywhere. Like for most of the Oregonians. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, uh, you know, yeah, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's about an hour, hour and a half from Boise. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't I, like to say it that much, but it's probably one of the better brown trout fisheries in the United States. Oh, it was um, absolutely insane. And it was one of those things. Cha- dude, it's changed so much in the last three, four, five years. Um, they introduced rainbow trout into it like three or four years ago. Oh, bunch of bunch of stocker rainbows, and I don't I don't know the last couple. I only get out there now maybe once or twice or three times a year. Yeah, um, go camping or something. But it, just the average size of fish has gone down. Like like you're saying, back in the day, you'd go out there, and I mean, the average fish was like seventeen. Oh, dude, for a California dude, I mean, I caught like three 18, 19 inch Browns back to back. Like that don't happen in California. (laughs) You know what I mean? I was like, this place is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. We should probably just stop talking. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Roger that. Roger that. (laughs) No, no, it's, it's still amazing. Um, well, I guess the point of this started going out there, like I kind of, you know, obviously it was well known before I knew about it. Um, but I remember like those first few times going out there and just being like, Oh my God, dude, like, this is yeah. crazy. Well, it's dry fly, like fish dries year round. And, well, yeah, I guess the point of what I was saying is it got blown up and it, it never, I don't think it ever was as good as it was when it, after it got blown up, you know what I mean? That was kind of the, you know, the gist of the story. I yeah. Mean, the, I, the social media, you know, you really saw, the yeah. change along yeah. the lines of Instagram exploding and yeah. Um, but you know, 
I, I don't want to knock it because it's still an amazing fishery. You can still find people are pretty. I mean, most of the time people are pretty uh, good about giving you space and, and you can usually find a decent little stretch to yourself. Yeah. You, you know, it might not be the one you wanted, but um, you can still find some a long yeah. time out there. So from there, is there like, is there a bass fly fishing contingency in Boise or are you like a lone wolf on the prowl? No, <laughs> no I obviously, yeah, there's plenty of people that fish bass in Boise and people that do it on the fly. Maybe a bit less people that do it on the fly. You know, it, it's restrictive in that you need to have a boat. Yeah. Really to be able to do it effectively. Yeah. Um, and so that limits a lot of fly fishermen, you know, if they have a boat, it's a drift boat or, yeah. or a raft and it's not really ideal for lakes and reservoirs. Um, but the river, I mean, we have the snake river, not too far and that can be a, a really good bass fishery as well. Really? Uh, there's a couple guys, you know, Brian Husky. I don't I think I might've asked you that. Before. I, you know, I've heard yeah. his name a hundred times in obviously really my memory, obviously my memory uh, is not very good. So I could have met him. Maybe right after I met you for the first time, you know, he's gotten really, really into it the last couple of years, last few years. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was always kind of an anti boat trout, trout fishing yeah. guy for a long time and, um, kind of discovered bass in the last few years and he's been geeking out. So like, I'll, I'll hit him up when I have some info and sometimes I'll get some from him and kind of match notes once in a while. But yeah. Um, and then there's, I have a couple other buddies that are, that are into it as well. Um, but it's not, you know, as far as fly fishing goes, it's not the preferred method for most <laughs> people around here. Method or species. Yeah. 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 There you go. So, so the lower, the lower snake there that you're talking about, is that smallmouth? Both. I mean, wow. mostly probably largemouth. Wow. Um, but there's, there's big smallies in there as well. That's cool. Um, yeah, like the, the snake goes, and over on this side, so it's not like, the, so you think of the Snake River, you think of the South Fork Snake on, you know, in eastern Idaho. It's yeah. amazing trout fishery. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but on this side of the state, it's it's much more, it's a warm water fishery, so it's a lot of catfish, bass, smallmouth, um, good duck hunting. Oh, there. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and yeah, it's, you know, it's pretty close to home yeah. and I try to get out there. That's cool. That's cool. Me. And it's a big river, right? Like, yeah. Um, it's not as big as like the South Fork of the Snake is a lot wider than it is. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I don't know. I guess it's about the same. There, there's places where it narrows and there's places where it widens, but, um, I don't know. It's, it's like the sack. Okay. Say, okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. The upper sack, right? Yeah. Fish strikers. Yeah. 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 I still haven't fished the lower sack. That's where you guys do a lot of trout fishing is on the lower, right? Yeah. So the, I mean, the sack, the sack is somewhat like odd in how it's referred to, but so like most people consider the lower sack below Shasta Dam in Redding, and when people refer to the lower sack, the sack flows north to south they think of the lower sack say from like redding to red bluff and that's kind of the the trout water or redding to 
Anderson area. Well, we actually fished, you know, 20, 30 miles lower than that in what is the, you know, lower, lower sack. So, you know, we're actually below all the trout water. Um, you know, the sack's 300 so miles from, long. Like how far from Redding is that? Then where you're fishing? Um, about, like about an hour. Hour drive. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and it, uh, you know, we fish up, <laughs> we fish as far north for stripers is probably about 40 minutes south of Redding. Um, in like the Red Bluff area. And then we fish as far south as like Calusa, which is about 35, 40 minutes north of Sacramento. So it's a big area, big area. But yeah, the lower sack up through Redding, the, the tailwater trout stretch is phenomenal. I mean, it's definitely finding more and more ways to catch fish, but it's trad- traditionally an, an indicator fishery, but it has mutant size rainbows in it so it's pretty cool yeah. is that where that bridge that yeah the sundial bridge yeah that yeah, big okay. bridge is right there in redding it's kind of the that's kind of right about the upper put in that's about the highest you can put <laughs> there's a bridge in buenos aires that's exactly the same as that bridge only i think quite a bit bigger oh um, that's interesting it's like it's like an identical twin i wonder if it's maybe the same architect or I think it is. I yeah, think I, I remember reading that somewhere, you know? Yeah. So speaking about Buenos Aires, uh, you would have seen it. if you. I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Thanks dude. My, uh, every time I see you look at your social media or really any waterworks lamps in social media, I'm reminded that I did not go on that trip, but, uh, what, so you went on, you went down, tell everybody where you went. First of all, the lodge's name. Uh, so it's, we went, it's a two lodge program that we did. Um, and they're, they're both run and managed by nervous waters. Okay. Um, now nervous waters has like, I'm probably not going to get the number right, but they have something like 12 fly fishing lodges throughout South America and the Caribbean. And then another like 10, 15 hunting lodges. Oh, um, yeah. So they got, they got all their bases covered, but the two that we were fishing were Pita Lodge. That's P I R A and Suinda Lodge. Um, yeah. They're about four hours apart from each other in, in Northern Argentina and the province of Corrientes. Um, but vastly different. Like one of them's on a, a marshland, which is, it's a nationally protected marshland. It's like a national park, I think, uh, bigger than the Everglades. Wow. Um, really, really cool ecosystem. Is it freshwater? Yeah, it's all freshwater. Um, cool. So these are freshwater Dorado, not, not Mahi Mahi. Yeah. 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 Ocean. Um, and yeah, honestly, a lot of kind of parts of it reminded me of the Delta a little bit, the way that you, you know, it's kind of a maze of channels and yeah. Little, yeah so ways through the water now because a lot of you know the the dorado or the freshwater dorado is kind of like the uh the latest and greatest species in the fly world has been for a few years but everybody i've ever talked to says they they live up to the billing every ounce and pound of fish so (laughs) was that the first time you'd fish for them no 
Um, no, I've, I've had a couple of chances to fish for them before. Um, mostly just DIY stuff. Like yeah. I lived in Argentina for a year after college. Oh, wow. I moved, moved down there. That's where I met my current wife from Boise, Idaho. Um, <laughs> but, um, my dad's originally from Argentina. So I okay. a bunch of relatives down there and stuff and kind of wanted to reconnect with a lot of them after I finished yeah. college. Um, moved down there, had a chance to fish just a couple of days in, in uh, a town just south of Santa Fe on the, on the Paraná river. Um, the Paraná river system is kind of what, that's where Dorado evolved. That's where they're from. That's mm-hmm. where they're native. Um, it's the second biggest river in South America oh, after wow. the Amazon. Wow. So yeah, I mean, it's like the Mississippi river size wise. Oh geez. Um, like a mile wide with islands mm-hmm. and, um, and then like the marshlands are fed by the Parana river and the Parana mm-hmm. river runs all the way down from the border with like Brazil and Paraguay, um, all the way down to Buenos Aires. Um, and so you can, I mean, you can find fish everywhere in that river pretty much in that whole system. So um, the pictures of fish, you know, where these dudes are like walking, waiting in some exotic jungle. Is that that's the, Bolivia? Okay, so is that the same river system? No. Okay. Not. In fact, I, you'll have to have Marcelo from uh, Untamed Angling on your show sometime. But he—he's really the expert um, as far as the Bolivian fishery. He, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's—he wasn't the first one there, but he's the one that really developed the program there for fly fishing. Um, and I thought I heard him talking on a podcast recently about how they they want to do some studies to find out if those golden dorado are actually a different species because they're isolated up in that like it's it's almost like a mountainous river system yeah uh, i guess i the reason i asked is because i think at some point i want to say the headwaters are some lake in the mountains of bolivia yeah they're rivers. they migrate up into those rivers they don't live in those little rivers year round that's why I was kind of like thinking maybe they migrated up out of that Delta or something. I'm not sure how it is in blue, like in, in, in Argentina, like on the Parna river, um, there's migratory and resident. Oh, in same, okay. In the same system. So some gotcha. of them migrate, some of them don't. Interesting. Um, yeah. Like in, at Pina Lodge and marshlands, you can really tell the difference between those fish and the fish on the Parna river. They have a lot darker back. Um, and then I believe fish from the Parana river will migrate into the marshlands and you'll be able to like, you'll catch a fish with the dark back and then a fish with that's like pure gold. Um, that's interesting. It just kind of depends on the time of year, I think, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, they're I, I, probably my favorite fish on the planet. Um, they kind of have it all, you know? <laughs> They look yeah. aggressive. They got big teeth. They jump and jump and jump. And, um, I mean, they'll eat it on top. They'll eat it, you know, down deep. So they get big. It's, yeah. It's so do they like a striped bass, except gold instead of silver. And it has a bunch of teeth and the head of a salmon. And they jump. <laughs> I mean, that the thing they jump, right? you know, I mean, they look like just even the big ones. They look like killing machines is what they look like. You know what I mean? Like 
are they hard to catch? I mean, do they turn off? Do they not eat? Like, or is it? Depends. It- so the two fisheries are very different. Like one of them's Peter Lodge in the marsh. It's more of a numbers game there. You're going to catch okay. more fish, but the average size is going to be smaller. Yeah. At Suinda Lodge, that's kind of a trophy fishery. Right? Gotcha. So you're, you're targeting really big fish. I mean, they get up 30, 35, 40 pounds. Oh, wow. Um, wow. And probably, probably bigger than that. But, um, like you can expect to catch a 20 plus 30 pound, pound fish there, but you're, Jeez. you know, your chances are going to be fewer and farther between, um, because it's such a big water system, right? Gotcha. There's a lot of stuff to, to kind of try to explore and yeah. navigate. Um, yeah. Whereas like Peter Lodge, it's closer quarters, you know, the fish can only be in a certain area. Um, so it's just, yeah, two, two very different fisheries, but the program that they have set up is just perfect because you go to the first lodge and kind of, you know, get the monkey off your back and, and catch a bunch of fish and, yeah get your fill and then you go to the second lodge and it's like okay we're looking for for big fish now that's cool that's cool what uh what was Um, your biggest fish that you got out there my biggest was 22 wow that's a big fish um i caught a 17 in the morning and then a 22 last light that same day that's awesome and then my photographer my good buddy travis um Bradford, he caught the biggest fish of the trip that same day that I caught my two biggest that morning. He caught a, like an almost 29 pound. Wow. Yeah. Now, is it a lot of blind casting or are you sight fishing or how you do um, at Suinda? So it's, there's a lot of blind casting, almost like swinging flies yeah. out in the middle of the river, like mm-hmm. near structure and stuff. Yeah. But they also have a lot of flats areas in that river. So like these islands will have, big sandy flats areas that are like three, four feet deep. Oh, wow. And, and the water is pretty clear and, and yeah, you can, you can do sight fishing there. You, you know, you'll go up on the sand, kind of cruise around with the boat, just looking for fish and you see them in the cast to them. We didn't, we didn't really see any. Um, we tried doing the sight fishing a little bit yeah. and didn't have a ton of luck with it. Um, but like previous, so I went to Paso de la Patria, which is a town pretty close to where we were, um, on my honeymoon back in like 2014. And I just found a guy that had a boat and he took me out. And yeah. I, you know, we were having lunch on this Island and I went over to the other side just by myself. And there was a big flats area like that over there. And, could see a big school of sabalo, which are like the, the fish that these Dorado feed on mostly. Yeah. Typically between, you know, one to two pounds. Oh, wow. Um, bait fish. And you could just see a school of them like busting up on the surface, you know? Yeah. And then you'd see flashes, you know, you'd see flashes of golden Dorado charging the school from the side and, you know, just put, put a cast right on the side of that school and bam. I'll basically watch the fish come in and, and smash my my fly. Um, that was really cool, and it was cool too for me because it was kind of by myself. There wasn't like anybody guiding me or telling me what to do. Or, 
Um, but nowhere near the size of the fish that we were catching at Suinda. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if you want to, if you want to get the good ones, the guide or the lodge is the way to go. Gotcha. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, that, that if you're in that, you know, you're a guide. Well, and I mean, if you're in that <laughs> massive of a waterway, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Just, like think about it. Like, you know, somebody, some average kid could go up, you know, go to the Delta and either go out in their own little, you know, scoop boat or, you know, fish off a bunch of docks and they might catch striper too. Yeah. But they're not going to do, you know, what they would do if they went out with you or, or any of the, the guides down there. Yeah, you know? for sure. <laughs> well, that's cool. What's your, uh, do you have an, a, a next trip coming up? Um, couple work trips and then i am i think gonna be going to alaska in september oh that'll be fun yeah um well you know dave over at wet fly swing oh yeah yeah for sure he kind of reached out to me with a little project that he's got going on and um, that's awesome i might be might be joining him up there and so it sounds like we're gonna helicopter in oh boy some river and then and then float out plan i think get chased Which, by a few bears and you know yeah probably probably that's like one of my my life rules is i i try to avoid being part of the food chain you know <laughs> that's just like common common live long live long and prosper advice so you know i'm i'm six five going on 300 i think those bears will just see me as like one of their buddy, buddies totally you know? after a week in the bush you'll be shaggy enough you can fit in you know i'll throw some half dead salmon at them (laughs) you know (laughs) no i'm excited i've never been to alaska i neither i have never been to alaska either i've been to argentina a bunch of times i've never been to alaska so it's it's definitely been on on the list for a while and yeah um, yeah i'm excited I always, I never, I, I don't know why I ever had any, well, I never had any interest in going to Alaska because like for most of my early life as a trout guide, it seemed like at least once a week you'd have somebody in your boat who would complain about the fishing being slow and then I just got back from Alaska. Exactly. And then just go into this <laughs> diatribe of about how good Alaska fishing was and like... <laughs> After the seventh, eighth, twentieth time that that happens, like my rational mind is like, I can never go to Alaska. It'd ruin all my fishing that I do here. So I'm never going to Alaska. And like for me, it's always been about like, what am I going to do there? Like, I'm not. I don't want to necessarily go there just you know to go trout fishing. Totally, because I can do that an hour away from home. Yes, right? like, that's exactly my defense. Yeah the steelhead situation up there has always been very appealing to me. Um, as somebody who fishes the salmon river in Idaho for a fish a year, if I'm lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, and then the pike fishing up there also, I, I'd really love to go up there and do some of that mega pike fishing. Yes. That interests me very much. Yeah. Like those old Barry Reynolds videos up there that he did, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, those things looked amazing. Well, and there's that outfit, the uh, the Midnight Sun or 
Yes. They have like that houseboat operation up there. That yes. thing looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't want to scuffa the, the trout fishing in Alaska because obviously it's probably some of the best on the planet. Oh, it just and, ruined me for my own local right. trout fishing. That's why right. I, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, I'll, 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 I'll take all the trout I can find when we go up there. <laughs> I don't want to jinx myself right now. Totally. Totally. So, uh, being the community manager at, uh, Lamson, do you, you said you got some work trips coming up. That's a, that's a, those are usually pretty cool. <laughs> Where do you get to go? Um, well, nothing crazy. So I go out to New York usually once a year, our, our Northeast sales reps, um, gotcha. they're kind of a dealer summit. Up yeah. There. So I'll go and I'll present, um, you know, the product line to all of our, our dealers in the Northeast. We stay yeah. at the West branch of the Delaware oh, wow. uh, resort, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a really cool river. Historic. Um, historic. And you float down that thing and you feel like you're in sleepy hollow or something. Yeah. Like Ichabod crane is going to ride by on a course <laughs> through the mist. Or freaking, um, totally. It's really cool. Like there's so much history out there and, you're like yeah. in your collared fishing shirt feeling underdressed. <laughs> you need a tweed jacket. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's not how I roll. But, <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's, a, it's a good event. It's, it's a good opportunity for me to get some FaceTime with all the shop guys and the guides and um, yeah. get to hang out with all those, all those guys out there. And we have some great dealers out in the Northeast. And um, so that's cool. And then I, uh, I do usually try to tack on a day for stripers on the coast if I can. Yeah. Um, so I've, that's I've, about the, all that's on my docket for this summer. That's right good. Now. You know, the Northeast I've, I'm always, you know, I always tell people that like fly fishing is, this, you know, fairly large industry and in sport, but it's very regionalized. And the mm-hmm. Northeast is like this, this, it is like essentially the birthplace of American fly fishing, but it is, we forget that out west. We do yeah, forget yeah. that out west, and I got <laughs> yeah. Talk I about say, it. The first the first time I went out there, I gotta say, I went out there a little bit like, you know, I live in Idaho. What you know? What exactly. You I do, yeah. Show me about trout fishing. Yep. But the, it blew my mind. That place blew my mind. Like it was, uh, it was really cool, well, and. At least where we are, it's it's all wild fish. So it's, they don't really have like a stocking program. Yeah. Um, so these are like wild, really skittish. It's super technical. Like, yeah. It's like fishing Silver Creek if Silver Creek was, you know, as wide as the sack or something. Oh. You're fishing like 12, 13 foot lead, 6X leaders and, you know, tiny little flies or maybe you know if, if the sulfurs are going on you can throw a little bit bigger flies but it's it's cool man it's really technical there's there's mist on the water like more <laughs> days than not oh and wow. so you're just like floating through this like ghost-like mist and thinking about revolutionary battles that were fought <laughs> on the banks of the, on the like for real like, yeah yeah no to the river like it's it's cool yeah and do they have like it, it's such a a different vibe and scene back there it, it, from yeah, what I gather? East, East Coast, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you, you're not talking about bass fishing while you're hanging on the Delaware, are you? 
Um, <laughs> it's funny you say that because gosh, now I'm forgetting his name, but I actually spent a whole night talking about bass fishing while I was sitting on the bench. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Well, because He's smallmouth a, fishing gosh, back there. crazy. I can't remember his name. He, that's exactly right. Like, yeah. He was showing me like some of the biggest smallies I've ever seen. Yeah. He's like, yeah, dude, I, I have it dialed. I can't remember his name right now. It might be like renegade fly fishing. Anyways. Um, no, they, they kind of have a lot of different there's musky fisheries yeah um it's not just tweed jacket and sulfurs it's not not anymore yeah yeah you know the there's definitely still that contingency oh for sure um but yeah there's there's a new new age in the fly fishing the younger guys are kind of changing stuff yeah everywhere that's good that's good i like that I think so too. So with uh lamps and waterworks, I I heard something Waterworks like, Lamps. Waterworks Lamps, and I'm sorry. I apologize. I, apologize. <laughs> no, no. I, I I'm going to Everybody gonna, does that. Well, you know what's funny is so every time I like hashtag a photo when I look at Instagram, I I can never remember if which one comes first. So I type one in and both of them come up and then I always select the one you can see that has like the, the largest number by it. So I'm like, oh, that must be the right one. But I never remember what the right one is. So, yeah. Um, most, yeah, most people just know us as lamps. And it's, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't worry about it. We still, that's kind of the cool thing about lamps is, you know, we have something for, for everybody we have something at just about every price point um and we use you know our our patented drag system in in every reel that we make so even the lower end price point reels are still going to have the quality drag system that our highest price point reels have um and you know with, with inflation it's nice having those options oh yeah no i always that's one of the few things you know, that I, I guess it's probably the first thing that I always show people in the boat when I'm pulling reels out of the, the rod locker. It's like, see this reel? Yep. This is not an expensive reel. See this reel? This is expensive. What do you notice about the drag? It's the same thing, <laughs> you know? So. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it just comes down to durability, um, lightweight, you know, the, the lighter they get, the more machining, yeah, more expensive they get. That's kind of our our ethos is you know trying to make the strongest, lightest weight reel possible. Yeah, so that you're not you know not feeling the weight of the reel on your cast. You're feeling the line and, and the tip of your rod. Yeah, interacting more than anything. Well, and you guys um, kind of pioneered that with the light speed. Gosh, twenty some years ago when it first came out, you know. Exactly. So yeah. I remember yeah, and the ULA, the, the original force reel, those two reels were kind of our introduction to the industry. And at the time, I mean, they're radically different than just about anything out there as far as looks and the large Arbor. We were, you know, really kind of some of the first ones to the table with the large Arbors. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I visibly remember the fly shop I was working at in like the late nineties, early two thousands, when the light speed came out and the owner showing it to me and being like, feel this, 
this is a conical drag and like going through the whole thing and be like, wow, this thing's light, <laughs> you know? <Right. laughs> wow. That's dude, that's still one of my favorite reels. Um, that original light speed with the big holes on yep, the side. The big circles. Yeah. And <laughs> yep. it looked like a, looked like a spaceship. Yeah. We heard a little bit of, about that at the beginning, but yep. it's, I mean, to this day, probably one of the most popular reels you ever made. Well, and definitely what, you know, it's, it was the most different reel that I can remember coming out at that time as well. You know what I mean? It was that like when everything was either black or silver, it was like cream color, you know? And like, it it just defied a lot of the, the style and commonality or the things that were common at the time, you know, pretty much every fly reel looked the same. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. It was, it was the black, kind of cork drag style you know or disc mm-hmm. drag style um you know black with a bunch of small holes in it and a handle and a counterweight on on the other side of the handle on the spool and that was about it you know and yeah, yeah. there might be like different drag systems or different companies but most of those reels look pretty similar and oh they all for sure pretty much exactly the same and mark ferris who's you know he's our um, head designer for the whole existence of our company, basically. Um, he just looked at that and was like, I could, I could do better than that. You know, oh, like, yeah. I want to pick up, I want to pick up more line when I'm reeling in. Well, how do I do that? I make the, the Arbor larger. Yeah. Well, and if I have a, a conical drag system, I don't need the space that a disc drag takes up so I can make it lighter. Yeah. And, fewer parts like those reels usually you know the the classic style reel comes in at like 80 to 100 separate parts on one of those reels and and our reels came out of the gate with like 30 little parts <laughs> yeah and so they just hold up for a long time yeah no i a lot a lot that can go wrong and yeah no i've never had any they're probably one of the few real companies i i can't Im- I can't think of any other, and I haven't, I've fished them since Sherm picked them up. So, I mean, I don't even know how long that is ago, maybe five years ago, six years ago, all blurs together at this point, but, um, I never broke one. Nothing's ever, I've never had an issue with one and I don't honestly take care of my gear the best. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. There's not a whole lot that can go wrong. And honestly, in, in today's age of, warranties disappearing left and right in our industry um i you know i kind of proud of the fact that i feel like we have probably one of the best in warranties in the industry yeah and a lot of that's just because we can because there isn't a lot of reels that are breaking out there. so <laughs> yeah. you know, our guy doesn't get backed up too much it's like if, if you send a reel in you'll usually have it back in about a week week and a half that's amazing that, or a rod. Yeah. 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 What uh what got you guys into making rods? Cause what motivated that? Another is, you know, Mark looking at the at the market and the industry and what was out there and saying yeah. I could do something better than that. And yeah. It was the it all kind of started with the center axis system. Yeah. Um with the reel, you know, connected to the rod directly below the the uh rod handle. Yeah. Um 
the grip. And what that did was, it, you know, it took away the torque from the reel hanging off the side of your rod. And so you really, you know, it kind of felt like you're casting a rod without a reel on it. Um, just a lot of feel in the tip and, and with the line. Yeah. Um, and then once we kind of got into that, we started, you know, well, we could, we could bring these rod blanks to a standard setup and, you know, came out with our first run of rods, the SS rods, um, like five years ago. And then this last year, we came out with a new line of freshwater and saltwater rods, which I've just been, man, so happy with. Um, the velocity is kind of our, our all around workhorse. Yeah. Fast action, freshwater rod can do everything from streamers to nymph rigs to, you know, big dry flies. Um, and then the purest rod, which is like a two piece mm-hmm. dry fly specialty yeah. rod, kind of dis- designed for places like Silver Creek. Um, it's yeah. I, that four weight purist has just been my sweet spot for, for dry fly fishing. And then our saltwater rods have been really successful down in Florida and a lot of the Gulf coast. Um, because I mean, you can get a 12 weight, tarpon rod for $450 it's going to perform yeah you know, I mean just as good as anything out there yeah that's concerned so. the $400 salt rod is does not exist really anywhere anymore so I mean and at, at, yeah with the components that we use you know we probably have a way smaller margin on those rods than most most rod manufacturers <laughs> but it's uh we just you know we we had a price point that we wanted to to be at and so we just stuck to that price point regardless of what it costs us to to make the rod that's awesome so you guys got any uh i'm sure you guys are always tweaking and designing you got some stuff coming up you're excited about not that you can talk about it but is there some stuff coming up that is exciting yeah um yeah we got a few things in, in that's the pipeline. good cool um so by the time this airs um our light or our speedster uh dark smoke reel will probably be out okay Um, that's that's going to be dropping here in two or three weeks nice and it's you know it's it's another color option in our speedster s line which is one of our most you know most popular reels i think you have a couple of them yeah yeah i got them on my um my trout sticks my nymph sticks yeah yeah so it's a it's a pretty pretty sweet color we originally made it for the European market, mm-hmm. but got a lot of, um, kind of demand for it here. So we decided to release it here as well. And then later in the summer, we're going to have some, some more other stuff. Cool stuff. Yeah. Some brand new stuff. Awesome. Coming, coming I think one of the coolest ones I've gotten in the last couple of years is the like complete blackout, uh, light speed. Yeah. That, so this is going to be kind of in that vein. Yeah. Yeah. The, the new speedster dark smoke. Yeah. Um, yeah. That blackout light speed is. It's speed. that's definitely, I, I, I pull that out. That's on my rod. Like I don't let anybody else fish. That, <laughs> I pulled out. I'm like, all right, this baby's staying nice. <laughs> so. Well, Hey man, we're kind of coming up to an hour and I always kind of try to wrap it up here. And, uh, it sounds like, it's probably time for you to get fishing again and hanging out. So, uh, thank you for coming on, man. And if, um, I'm sure everyone's going to want to follow along on Lamson. So 
what is the uh, the IG handle for the lamps and waterworks? Waterworks lamps and yeah. So Instagram, Facebook, we're just going to be waterworks lamps and or at waterworks lamps and. And then website is www.waterworks-lampson.com. Um, so you can pretty and much you, find. Yeah. And you guys are active. Know. You guys are putting up cool stuff. You got, you've had contests going like you're out I there. Try. You do. Yeah, I try. Hey, hey <laughs> you're doing well, good. We have a lot of great, you know, we got a lot of great people out there that are just stoked on, on their gear and, and on our gear. And so yeah. I'm constantly getting really cool photos sent into me and getting tagged and getting emailed cool stuff. So I try to share, you know, the people stuff as much as I can and yeah. get as much of my stuff in there as possible as well. And yeah. Oh no, you're doing yeah, a good job, up. man. I, I, I respond pretty much right away. Usually to any questions yeah. or messages. Hell, I mean, you're taking a phone call out on the boat while you're fishing. You're on it. I, I work from home, which means that I don't ever not work. <laughs> if yeah, I right. get an email at nine o'clock at night, I'm usually answering it. Oh, but, good um, man. Good yeah, man. Pluses, pluses and minuses. You know, yeah. I love working from home. But. Yeah. No, Hogan, it's always always great to sit down and chat with you. Um, like I was saying, we need to, need to get together and, and fish soon. Yes, absolutely, my friend. You need to, uh, hopefully I'll see you out in Northern California. You got to get up and fish the river again. I know, uh, Chuck's out of the country for another couple of weeks, but he'll be back for most of the summer. So, well, I yeah. think we're doing Delta day again. Yeah. Sherm said that Sherm. I think that is a hard so. confirmation. I am. I am a hard confirmation for that okay, as well. Cool. <laughs> so that's cool. always a good time. So worst case scenario, I'll see you then. Yes. Yes. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to to do this and sit on the podcast. So thanks. And thanks for having me, bud. No better fish better part of the barbless podcast network. Special thanks to our sponsors without them. This show would not be possible. Like this episode, leave a review 